Hi, everybody, and welcome to Standard Definition, the retro and nostalgia podcast here on the Bus Rush Network, where each and every Sunday we come together with our friends from around the internet to talk about the games, movies, shows, and other topics that make us nostalgic. You can support us and get um, the show two weeks early by heading over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash boss rush network, or subscribe to free feeds. If you listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five-star review, pretty please. You can also catch us uh, in our content on YouTube and on bossrush.net. Uh, I know I'm starting a bit early with the housekeeping, but I just want to let you all know that the merch store is now open. I believe we do have the Disney design up and ready. Click on the store tab on our website to buy a variety of items which have our show logos on them, including Standard Def, Yours Truly, After Dark, Boss Rush Podcast, and much, much more. Tonight, alongside me, we've got Boss Man himself, Corey Deering. Hello, I'm here. I am alive and well and ready to party. With Pinocchio. All night long. Yes. Until he has to yes. jet off on an airplane in a snowstorm. Yeah, that's going to be uh, interesting. Yeah. It's fine. It's all fine. And, <laughs> and to complete the show, we have the one, the only, Mark Pereira. Hey, Mark. Hey, everyone. All right. We'll just jump right into it. We all know that we can't have a nostalgia podcast without recording episodes covering the classic Disney hand-drawn animated movies. These Disney movies will be reviewed in release order, starting with Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which we covered last episode, all the way up to Princess and the Frog uh, in 2009. Today's episode, which Corey's going to have to remind me which exact episode of Standard Def it is, but... This is the second I Disney no idea. episode. I, we've recorded so many, <laughs> and the first one just went up for free feeds. So I'm like, I don't know. It's like episode twelve. I don't know. It's seriously like because like we've we've been recording like back to back some weeks and yeah. doubling up and tripling. We're, we're up. doing it for you, fans. We're doing it for you. Yeah. Um, so uh, oh, and I didn't even introduce myself. I am Stephanie. I am the pseudo host for the Disney line of the standard definition podcast. I'm also co-host of uh, boss rush. Um, so today we are looking at uh, the 1940 Disney animation of Pinocchio. Uh, and I'd like to start and maybe change up a couple things. I'll start off with some trivia or just one trivia question. Who was Walt Disney's favorite character in the film Pinocchio? Was it a Pinocchio B, Figaro, C, Cleo, or D, the Blue Fairy? Ooh, 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 the Blue Fairy. It's Figaro. Corey, you oh, are wrong. And oh. Mark takes... Uh, what surprise? What is it? Um, I'm going to get you this background of clipping. Yes. <laughs> I'll find a way to get you that she's background. Just, no, she's just going to send you a paper clip that's slightly bent with some googly eyes on it in the mail. Hey, I'll, I'll take it. Handcrafted. So, yes, um, Walt Disney loved Figaro so much that he wanted to have the troublesome, curious kitten in as many scenes as possible. And I believe he modeled Figaro to be... Um, Minnie Mouse's pet, but it ended up being like a dog. I think was it? Um, I forgot if it was a poodle or something. But actually, actually, Figaro is now Minnie's cat in canon because right. I watch enough Mickey Mouse Clubhouse to make your eyeballs bleed. And Figaro, 
is Minnie's Cat in Clubhouse and in Minnie's Bowtoons, which is the spinoff TV cartoon. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, it, she did have a Cocker Spaniel at first. Yeah. And oh, then, there you go. Right. And then now it's Figaro. Mm-hmm. Wow. Corey's dropping them hard facts. <laughs> yeah. Hard facts about <laughs> Walt Disney and his cat. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, I'm here all week, before, folks. <laughs> before we get into some of the finer details um, about the behind the scenes, I wanted to do something about like give everyone give like a one or two liner of what how they want to summarize Pinocchio. And I'll start. Like for me, I'd summarize. If someone were to ask me and they just stepped out from under a rock and did not know what Pinocchio was, I would say it's a cautionary tale for children. <laughs> uh, so don't lie. what do you think mark how would you how would you summarize pinocchio i mean i don't think there's any better summary than that um uh uh yeah i i, I could try to come up with something but that is the most accurate description a cautionary tale for kids also not appropriate for kids <laughs> yeah, yeah they yeah, say the word ass in this movie they yeah. do <laughs> And that's not the craziest thing that happened. I know. Uh-huh. It's, this movie is so, like, it's just so out there. I forgot everything about this movie. And this is, so like, this if... is this is my dad's favorite Disney movie. And I oh, just, really? Yeah. Well, like, he just, like, for some reason, he just loves Pinocchio. And I think it's because, like, my dad is very, like, he he loves carpentry and he loves, like, building things and stuff. Uh-huh. And Geppetto, I think, reminds him a lot of himself. And, like, honestly, my dad kind of looks like Geppetto now that I kind of think about it, which is weird. Uh, But I think it has something to do with something like that. I don't know. He's just – he loves Pinocchio. Aw. And um, say your – your daughter is two, right? Yeah. Say your your two-year-old daughter comes waddling up to you. Three. Three. Sorry. I am so sorry. Um, I'm sorry. It's my kid. I just (laughs) messed it up. Don't tell your wife you didn't know. didn't remember. Um, How would you describe Pinocchio in a sentence or two? Uh, I mean, I think it's like a very good kind of life lesson in morality and how you learn from that morality uh, and just kind of learn right from wrong and you have the choice – as, as long as you have the moral compass, you know how to choose right from wrong. And sometimes you make mistakes, but you learn from those mistakes and you grow from that. That's beautiful. That was a much more eloquent way than I had put it. <laughs> Thank you. That's the first time anybody's ever called me eloquent. <laughs> All right. So Pinocchio was, was released in February 1940, which blows my mind how long ago that was um the runtime was about an, just shy of an hour and a half which also makes me miss how short movies used to be um finances this movie was notorious for not making a lot of money and it was considered a financial quote-unquote bomb at the time even though it's since regained it so the details behind it it was um of the film's 2.6 million negative cost which was twice the cost of snow white disney only recouped about 1 million by the late 1940s 
40, where the studio reported the film's original uh, box office taking a varying 1.4 to 1.9 million. Um, and if you recall the date, um, a big factor was the fact that World War II was happening. And it, you know, the aftermath, you know, impacted the European and Asian market overseas and hindered international success of Pinocchio and any other Disney releases around the mid 1940s. Um, but I believe, you know, subsequent re-releases of Pinocchio over the years, um, they have been able to re- recoup that. So Yeah, especially on uh, VHS and DVD sales, for sure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe that that movie is uh, 80-something years old. 81 at the time of this recording. It's... I know. It's, I can't believe it. But, I, mean, I, I just I have a block in my head and it just seems like like every time I do time it starts with the 1990s mm-hmm. and so in my head I think this movie is only 50 years old mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then when you say 80 I mean that's nuts yeah 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 and we're one th- other thing I find go ahead sorry. Uh, I was gonna say we're 30 years from 1990 everybody oh which my is gosh. also crazy ah yeah, there there was a meme I shared on social media that the kids in the '90s that talked about the '60s are like the kids now talking about the '90s. Yeah, and it's freaking me out. That's dumb. Is what that is. <laughs> that is gross. It's gross. Yes, I don't like it. <laughs> um, but the one thing I do like about this is, you know, this movie clearly came out before, way before our time, right? It was our parents' time, really, and yet they brought it back to show us and i i don't know about you guys but i showed my son this movie so this is kind of like two generations worth yeah the snow white and pinocchio so far um one thing that i wanted to mention about it and something i really love about the movie was its um music uh it actually won an oscar for two musical categories best score and best song for as you can guess when you wish upon a star very classic and you know the only time that uh so that was in 1940 or i guess 1941 um the next time that the same movie won best score and best song was mary poppins in 65 so it took 25 more years for that double whammy of an oscar a musical oscar to be won and it was by disney again wow I can't believe Pink Elephants didn't win an Oscar, but we'll talk about that in a future episode. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> All right. Um, let's uh, talk about some of the characters here and just really get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast. Um, first and foremost, Pinocchio, a little wooden puppet carved by Geppetto and turned into a living puppet, quote unquote, by the Blue Fairy. I got to say, I love the design of Pinocchio. When I looked at the list of all the Disney movies we were rewatching, for some reason, I recalled Pinocchio the least. I just remember, oh, it's like some depressing film and it's whatever. (laughs) But there was just something very, very charming. Even before the Blue Fairy breathed life into him or however you want to say it, I'm like, oh my goodness, it's so endearing. Yeah. Yeah, Pinocchio is definitely a iconic design. For me, he Pinocchio is like one of the most recognizable characters in the Disney pantheon, especially of those old movies. Like I don't know if it's just because like especially in the 90s and stuff when all the they were re-releasing all the VHS tapes and we would get them all 
and Pinocchio was always part of the marketing of the classic movies or going to Disney World, right? Or like, I remember my mom used to collect nutcrackers, like Disney nutcrackers, and Pinocchio was always displayed no matter what time of year it was. Or, you know, I don't know. Pinocchio has just always been super relevant in my life. So maybe that's why he's always been iconic and so recognizable to me. But Pinocchio is just so iconic with the yellow hat and like the red kind of what later hosen i guess because it's a german <laughs> cartoon like it's just it's just iconic and like even even like the nose just like how simple the nose looks but it just brings him to life oh yeah speaking of the nose my oh, my dad it was such a when i said cautionary tale my parents really milked that because mm-hmm. i mean every time my parents either caught me in a lie or they think i lied they would just like grab my nose and be like, oh, your nose is getting longer. And I'd get so mad. I'm like, that's getting so old. Yeah, it really hit that that aspect of the movie, which really is such a small part of the movie. It just happens in one scene. Once, but, yeah. But that aspect of the movie has really like entered the zeitgeist and really became a, a, a thing where like, you know, if you lie. Your nose is going to grow. Or it's, yeah, it's like know. a culture. Like, it became part of culture and like a saying right. like. You say to a kid, well, don't lie or your nose will get bigger. Right. Right. <laughs> of course, I tell my new age son this. He goes, that's impossible, Mom. <laughs> well, stop having smart kids. That's, that's what I did. <laughs> but um, I don't think I appreciated this when I watched it as a kid because, I don't know, different you know, different um, things, you know, depending on how old you are. But when I listen to the, the person who voiced Nikolai and when he first is doing his best to do the right thing, it really highlights, you know, how naive and innocent little kids are. And that, you know, when he gets introduced to the more troublesome characters and boys, how he's just, you know, like I said, so naive and willing to go with things. And it kind of makes me think of, I don't know, like I get worried, think of my own kid and like, how innocent they are yeah it's definitely interesting watching this movie as a parent now as opposed yes. to to as a kid because i mean say what you will about all the you know the booze and the smoking and stuff that aside like <laughs> i i don't think i really paid attention as a kid to the main plot of the story you know it's just a wooden boy getting into some shenanigans but watching it as a parent i'm like yikes yeah there's definitely yeah. some uh just some worrisome first of all he he talks to some strangers who are just really just unappealing you know oh are we talking about um honest john and that cat that can't speak i think his name is giddy or gideon yeah yeah he yeah i think he just calls him cat in the movie a lot though right like that yeah (laughs) uh but like yeah like i would have never talked to strangers like i i was it was kind of just ingrained in me, like stranger danger type thing, yeah. you know, like don't talk to strangers cause they're terrible people. <laughs> uh, Especially since they showed up the second time. Remember they sold um, Pinocchio off right. to Stromboli the first time and he got away. I mean, I'm trying to recall the second time it happened. I mean, they technically just picked up Pinocchio and kind of carried him on his way, but still I would have just like booked it and started screaming. I need an adult. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, yeah. scary out there. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Honest John and 
um, the cat. I don't know about you. I, I know it's a Disney movie and a lot of it's fantasy. I mean, you got kids turning into donkeys, but I just found it very jarring and a little odd that the majority of the characters are humans, like human um, Geppetto who want, and the Pinocchio that wants to be a real boy going to a school with children that you just see two anthropomorphic characters like a, a walking talking fox and a walking cat like just it just stuck out to me yeah i wonder if there's something there about like um you know if there's some sort of like allegory or something to where pinocchio viewed them as animals because he kind of trusted them or something and he i don't i don't know i, I wonder if there's if there's some symbolism there or something yeah or maybe i'm just reaching i mean also like the sly fox is always like always kind of picked yeah. right. put positioned as like the bad guy like the sneaky kind of yeah i'm gonna do something to like really get up on you because i'm sneaky or whatever right i don't know it's very different from snow white though right because like there, there are no animal, like anthropomorphic animals in there, right? Like they're just all humans and the dwarfs, right? right? Like that's it. Exactly. This is the first time we kind of see this blend. So it was, you know, a bit interesting for me to see. And speaking of like, you know, bad guys and stuff, not to jump ahead, like, I like how there's different quote unquote bad guys. I mean, you got Stromboli, which only you know played a really small part on it and then you got the creepy coachman guy that took mm-hmm. all the kids to pleasure island like dang there's this one part when he's even scared honest john is like oh the kids won't come back as boys and it, like there's a blow up of his face and he's all red and he looks like the devil mm-hmm. <laughs> it's terrifying yeah definitely uh hmm. definitely a creepy guy and uh, how about Jiminy Cricket? I don't want to forget about him. He's a pretty prominent character, uh, at least like you said in, in pop culture. You see him; he's synonymous with your conscious conscience, a conscious. Um, though I did realize he's like a pretty crappy conscience. He like overslept, and he like couldn't find Pinocchio half the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think that's supposed to represent like maybe sometimes your conscience. Like sometimes there's decisions that seem like they're right in one way, and then they. Like, it's not always, you can't always trust the way you feel sometimes, right? Like, or, like, maybe, like, your conscience, you kind of second-guess yourself a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe it takes you a while to have your conscience catch up to you uh, because you don't really know what's right from wrong yet, right? Like, Pinocchio clearly doesn't know what's right and what's wrong yet. Because, I mean, he's been he alive for what? Anything. 20 minutes in this movie like i mean right i i my daughter barely knows what right and wrong is and like you know she's almost four so i i don't know i i think there's something there too i'm not quite smart enough to really pick up what it is but like i I think jiminy cricket represents a good kind of part of of what your your conscience is and and how you learn from your conscience and how you can, how it kind of evolves over your life. Right. You know, I agree because, you know, even though Pinocchio is the central character of this movie and he experiences character growth, I do feel that Jiminy Cricket, whether it's kind of on the nose or not grows as well, because at first he's just some vagabond 
cricket, I guess, because, you know, he's wearing rags and hopping around to find a nice warm place to stay. And I don't know, he's just kind of living the life. And then he witnesses, you know, this um, poor, lonely Geppetto. I love Geppetto. Mm-hmm. He's just yeah. such a kind, lonely soul. Anyway, so he, he witnesses Pinocchio coming to life and he actually steps up and volunteers to be his conscience. And again, it could be an allegory for how your real conscience is, but like, he becomes a stronger voice. He needs to learn to, you know, because he's almost given up on Pinocchio several times, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, oh, I guess I'll just say goodbye to Pinocchio or whatever. But he develops a strong bond with Pinocchio and ultimately doesn't give up on him. And by the end, he gets a little star badge from mm-hmm. the Blue right. Fairy. Yeah. I mean, I think if you think about it like that, that, you know, that feeling in your gut that you get that tells you, you know, right and wrong, or that you should do this, that you shouldn't do this. It only is as good as it's been developed, right? So, uh-huh. so the more you, the more life experience you have, the more um, things that you do, the more fine-tuned that it gets. And so I think at first, Jimmy Cricket has no idea what he's doing. And then towards the end, he knows a little bit more because he's experienced some stuff along with Pinocchio. Yeah, it's a very good point. Like, I hate to say it, um, because, again, as a parent, it makes me think that, you know, my son's going to have to go through stuff like this is yeah, kind of have to make mistakes first right. to really learn about it. Because if you have someone telling you, hey, don't do this, even though you've never had an experience of it, I mean, maybe it'll be successful, but the odds are you have to experience it first for you to really get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Which I think plays into many of the mature themes of this movie. Um, but I think I forgot one of you said it the last time is these early Disney movies really weren't geared or intended for kids. Really. It was more intended for adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that the way that Jiminy Cricket grows is actually the way that your conscience grows too, right? Like sometimes, especially like, especially when you're younger and like you, you can either choose to kind of like, if you mess up or you're going down a certain path, you can either keep going down that path and kind of ignore your conscience or try to make a decision that you know maybe you you know is wrong but you're just gonna go do it anyway right like i think jiminy cricket knew that leaving pinocchio was wrong and so he made the choice the conscious effort to go back and and kind of be with him and i think that this movie is almost as much about jiminy cricket growing as a good person as it is pinocchio to an extent right right I mean, they really are supposed to be the same character, right? Yeah. I mean, your conscience mm-hmm. is a part of you. And so they both go on similar journeys where the first time that Pinocchio doesn't do what he's supposed to do, Jiminy Cricket's like, peace out, I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and that's like that's like the, the same as Pinocchio not going to school, right? So right. It's, it's really about, it's both of their stories together. Yeah. Yeah. Do any of you guys have a favorite character out of all of these and, and others that we just haven't really talked about but would like to? I mean, honestly, I just really love the voice of Jiminy Cricket. I don't know. There's something about the quality of his voice, the the kind of the sound to it. It sounds old fashioned and everything, everything about how he talks and everything. And so I just I, I think Jiminy Cricket is, is my favorite character. Nice. Yeah, I think I think I have to agree. I just I feel like especially watching it now is almost like as a parent, like really teaching Pinocchio how to be right. Like I I almost saw this movie for the first time from a different perspective, and mm. uh, you know, 
obviously Geppetto is like the father figure, but Jiminy Cricket is really the one that is teaching Pinocchio, right, and learning with him along the way. And it's kind of like, you know, your kids kind of look up to you because we're the parents and we know everything, right, when they're young. And turns out, spoilers, parents don't know everything. Parents don't know anything. Nothing. We're, we're just winging it. Yeah, it's just a big wing job. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so I think I really related to Jiminy Cricket because he's really winging it, really, and yeah. trying to be make the right decisions while learning himself. So I, I kind of agree with Mark. Like Jiminy Cricket is definitely mm-hmm. the standout character. Agreed. I can't disagree with that. But just for the sake of being different, <laughs> there's a special place in my heart for Monstro. That that dude terrifies me. Yeah. Um, he's the massive whale, which if you think about it now, again, I have to remember that it's a Disney. But like when I think of a whale, I think that they're gentle creatures that just want to be left alone. But this 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 dude is mean. The voice Whoever does "quote unquote" the voice, and it, he doesn't talk, but like when he, he sneezes, it's a a loud guttural sound. Do you know who it is? Uh, it's I Thurl, at... It's Thurl Ravenscroft who sings "You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch" from the Grinch cartoon. No and then way. He's also voiced. I mean, he's he he was in the Aristocats. He was in mm. he, he was in Pocahontas. He was in Brave oh. Little Toaster. He was. I mean, he has been voices in movies for a long time and so he i mean his voice has presence oh, and it man. was wow. really awesome casting to have him as this just bellowing man um for sure yeah that beast. made an impact yeah yeah by the way side tangent when we're done with disney or if we want to ever take like a like a halfway point break for disney can we do like don bluth's run of movies Yes, like like yes. Anastasia and American Tail, Fern Gully, Fern Gully, uh, yeah, all dogs go, yeah, all dogs <gasps> go to heaven. Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh man, Pebble the Pigman. Yeah, dude, remember when Don Bluth almost took down Disney single handedly in the eighties? Man, good times. Yeah, well, he, he came from Disney. So I know. Just kinda, that's, that's what he, I'm saying. He, he took all like yeah. he took all their best animators because Disney was like treating them like crap. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, like both Disney's were dead at that point, right? And they were just trying to figure right. out what to do, how to run the company. And Don Bluth just said, "Screw it, let's go make our own movies." And man, I'm glad you we mentioned should... that. Yeah, because I, I wish like they kind of remained more relevant now these days. Because Disney is everything. gigantic right now; <laughs> is everything. It's like a monopoly, basically. And trust me, I'm a Disney fan, but it's they're just way too big now. Yeah. yeah, but that is a side tension. But I'm totally down for that. Yeah, for sure. Man, Don Bluth, underrated. Yeah. I gotta tell you, like his his stories aren't as good as Disney's, but his animations and like everything yeah. up to like probably like the early '70s into probably like the first kind of run into the '80s are like you can definitely tell his animation style. And then when he leaves, you can definitely tell a big dip in quality until probably Oliver and Company, I would say. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And then you get into like Little Mermaid and stuff, and then obviously it's just well, a- just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but- <laughs> Anyways. All right. 
Back to Pinocchio, I guess. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Um, I, I don't know if there's any other character you want to go in depth with. I was just thinking of sharing some more fun facts. Then we can just talk about the movie in general, like our, our favorite moments and general impressions. Because I definitely want to hit upon the, the discussion of how adult this film actually was. Oh my but... gosh, there's so many things in this movie that, like, I would not let my child watch this movie, like, at all. Yeah, yeah I was definitely squirming. Um, when Nikolai was sitting next to me, I was like, this is, I don't know if he's going to be repeating some of these words. <laughs> yeah. Um, but did you know, guys, that artwork for Pinocchio was worked on for three to five years prior to release and at times required 700 to 800 artists at one time? Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I, you can tell. I mean, the especially watching these movies back to back from watching Snow White and watching Pinocchio, which I don't think that I've ever done that before it you can really tell the increase in just the intricacy of the of the art and the animation and how how from the smallest detail to like the the end city sequence when you can see that all this and the birds flying and whatever after pinocchio is a real boy like it's it's insane and like all the just the different sets like snow mm -hmm. white really took place in two places um there were only really two sets or maybe three tops, but this one, like there, you know, you've got the whale, you've got Stromboli's place, you've got Geppetto's workshop. I mean, there's so many different locations and settings and characters. And it's, I mean, it's so, so watching the two back to back was just really, yeah. you can tell, I mean, I'm not surprised it, it took that many artists because the, the, the growth spurt from Snow right. White to Pinocchio was insane. Yeah. Definitely. It was definitely insane. It was definitely like, I mean, like you said, the sets, like you think of like the way, like the whale in the water and then you go inside the whale and you see the boat that Geppetto's living on. Right. And like all the different kind of wrecks in there. And then you see the set of Pleasure Island, which is just so vast. It's so big. It's so much bigger than anything in Snow White. Right. And yeah. uh, just even like the, the, on Pleasure Island, when you start watching the boys turn into donkeys, right? And, like, yeah, the transformation animations are incredible, you know, mm -hmm. where the when the ears start coming out or, like, when the tail comes out of the one uh, kid's pants and it's just, like, pops through and you see the pants rip and the tail shoot out. It's, like, the it's just flawless animation. Like, it's incredibly yeah. detailed. Yeah, and speaking of, I mean, the, the animation, like, the water... I read something, the the water scenes in uh, Monstro's mouth and when they're going into the, or going out of the whale's mouth, um, they used that as a reference in 1989 when they were making The Little Mermaid. Mm -hmm. So 40 ah. years after this movie was coming out, they were using the water animation from Pinocchio to detail how they were going to make an underwater movie, mm -hmm. which is like, yeah, just that just goes to tell you how like top tier the animation in this movie is yeah and and disney's always been like famous for going back right and looking at at, at right that. you know I, I, not so much anymore i think because of like how computer animation works now but like up until even into like beauty and the beast and hunchback of notre dame you could go back to older movies and say oh well they use that animation here or they like kind of repurpose that animation here or redrew it with these characters. And it's like, man, they, there's just so much connection to those old movies. It's insane. Yeah. I know. And I, I, that's probably one of the things I love most about this particular movie was that jump in intricacy. Like 
I never would have interest this in real life, but in Geppetto's workshop, you know how many of those clocks there were? Right. And oh, yeah. ap apparently there were real models of clocks that Disney had approved for them to kind of model them into the film, which that's pretty intense, but you know, that's pr probably Disney's way. Right. But I've never seen so many clocks and so detailed and each one had their own personality. I really appreciated it much more this time around. Yeah, I read uh, I read that Disney was such a stickler for perfection that animators would come in and be like, oh, here's this clock that would be in Geppetto's workshop. And Disney would say, you can make that in real life. So, no, it's not going to be in our movie. His attention to detail was so fine tuned that he was like, you know, we have to have a level of realism here. So the animators had to go and build actual clocks to show this design that we made in the movie would actually work in real life in order mm -hmm. to get those to work, which is just, yeah. And it works like the clock scene is the, there's a couple of times when they show the, the clocks um, right at the beginning. And then when Pinocchio becomes a real boy and it's like, there's a, that, that level of, you know, when, when we're watching movies, especially when it comes to things like animation and, and, and CG, like you have to have that tie to realism so that your brain stops trying to see how it's been made and you just watch the movie. Mm -hmm. And so things like that, that made it seem realistic and like it could happen really help to tell the story and help your brain to stop thinking this is animation. I mean, not that you wouldn't look at that, look at that and say, this is hand-drawn animation, but it just helps you kind of, it's like when you first start watching a movie with subtitles, you, at first you notice your reading and then, after about 10 minutes, you don't even notice. It's that realism that really helps you turn that part of your brain off, which is so critical. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, Props to Disney for that. Yeah, and yeah. like, <clears throat> you could actually see that, like, like you said, they would actually have to build clocks. You can actually see, like, when Disneyland started development, just a side story, he used his animators because they already, like, had some sort of, like, side engineering style of, of animation and like he would use them to like build small sets to see if things would actually work in the park oh yeah. wow yeah so. cool uh, one last fun fact um, a cut song so when the children are traveling off to Pleasure Island they were going to be singing a song called Three Cheers for Anything and as you could probably guess um, you know it was a song about you know talking about all the the troublesome things that they were going to do when they get to the island. But, you know, Disney just felt like, you know, it it would just take too long and kind of interrupt with the pacing. And he just figured, you know, just get the kids to get get the scene moving on to Pleasure Island. So I think that was a, a good choice. I think they spent enough time on the carriage. Just uh, was it Pinocchio talking to Lampwick, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and contrast contrast the difference between Pinocchio's innocence versus like your typical kid that kind of knows not his first rodeo kind of thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. That whole scene is just I don't know. Like <laughs> this, this was the kid that I'm just like, oh my gosh, I would never let my <laughs> up to this point. It was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, you know. John is like he's just like this creepy bad guy. You know he's the bad guy, right? Like from the very beginning. But like kids are so relatable and when you have kids interacting with other kids, that was the part where I just like was like I don't know if I would ever let my daughter watch this movie like <laughs> at this age especially, you know, when he starts like drinking beer and smoking the cigars and 
right like cursing and i'm just like oh my gosh this is like what are we what am i watching like i got like flashbacks of like not like flashbacks but just how how is like i was how is this movie for kids and then you just got to remember this wasn't for kids back then it's just right. like man definitely a different state of mind in the 40s <laughs> Yeah, I started watching, and I did the same thing with Dumbo. I started watching with my kids. I have four and a half year old twins, and I started watching with the kids, and I turned it off at a certain point. Like I knew with Pinocchio that I was going to turn it off, like right after he performs at Stromboli's performance oh. thing, because then I knew like Stromboli gets and he like locks him in a cage and stuff. And so I'm like, okay, this is when we're going to turn it off. And then um, for Dumbo. I kind of forgot that this part happened, but we can talk about this next time when we do it. But when uh, Dumbo's mom kind of goes crazy on all the other animals and then they start whipping her and tying her up and stuff. And yes. so I forgot that that was happening. And my kids were like, Dada, what's happening? And so I was like, nothing, it's bedtime. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think though that we're in a much different time now than we were then. And I love my parents, but I think that as parents now, we're a little bit more involved in our kids' lives than I think parents were back then. And I don't so much think that you had parents like sitting down with their kids and watching movies with them and like knowing what they're watching and and doing all of that. And so I think that there's a lot that flew under the radar that parents didn't really know about because they weren't really paying a ton of attention. I mean, one of my favorite movies growing up was Mrs. Doubtfire. And if you go, fantastic movie. But Best if you go back movie. and watch that movie, it is wildly inappropriate for kids. Oh, yeah. Wildly yeah. inappropriate. Also, and, but like you go back to the, like in the 90s when that movie came out, though, like that stuff was totally accepted, right? Like, yeah. And right. like, it, it just it just shows you how either like it, it just shows you how much society has changed whether you are for it or not and it's just like man but also like i remember sitting down and watching james bond with my dad when i was like eight right and right. murdering right. people straight up and i'm like right. oh yeah explosions car chases and shooting you know yeah, right. you know, for me, uh, Mark, to speak to that, I think for, at least for my parents, and maybe it's like a different thing when it was raising a girl or whatever, but my parents liked the Disney movies because um, it didn't have like a lot of sexual themes. For whatever reason, my parents were like so anti-sexual theme, and it doesn't have to be like that graphic, just any sort of sexual theme, but if they see stuff like, oh, look, that kid's drinking beer and smoking cigar, well, that kid's going to turn into a donkey, so that's what you, like, they don't see right. that as much right. of a inappropriateness than sexes and i think that's different i think everything's more on an equal plane now but back then it's like oh no heaven forbid there's something some sexual innuendo but right. drinking smoking yeah it's fine yeah right but but that's a good point in that the stuff that they're doing in the movie they immediately like reap the consequences of their actions. And so it is a very quick turnaround of doing these bad things as a kid and then turning into a donkey. Right. Um, but, but I don't think that kids movies were being like, Oh, if you kiss a, you know, if a boy, if a boy and a girl kiss, then there's bad consequences. It was always seen like as a good positive thing. So like there wasn't that immediate 
like, you know, here's the here's the thing and here's the bad consequence. It was like mm-hmm. kind of glorified the romance aspect of it. So I, I see uh-huh. what you're saying there. Yeah, so, uh, well, since since we're on it, so yeah, a lot of uh, adult-ish themes, um, so, uh, anything ranging from just being uncomfortable, like um, the at Stromboli's, the, the puppet show, um, again, it wasn't like super inappropriate, but I just realized like almost all of the character, uh, female, uh, the puppets are female and they're all like hitting on Pinocchio and they had that like the French can-can dance and right. they're pulling up their, their skirts. I'm like, oh, this is kind of kind of weird and i did feel uncomfortable when stromboli was like thrashing his blade around and locking pinocchio in a cage i it just made me feel uncomfortable that as a kid it went i'll be honest it went over my head as a kid i really didn't think much about it mm-hmm, right but um and also just the fact that they can say jackass in the movie and i was sitting there like quiet to see if my son was going to repeat the word jackass and knock on wood i haven't heard him say it yet but right this is going to make me sound like a huge prude and that's fine i don't really care about that but um i I almost like the the i don't love the jackass thing and there's actually uh in uh one of the ice age movies there's like a whole three minute joke about someone calling someone a jackass and it's like it's a bit much but what really frustrates me because i don't feel like that happens very often in movies but what really frustrates me in kids movies is when they say things like stupid or idiot or um you're dumb or things like that where it's just like those are like i feel like jackass like that's a really bad thing for a kid to say right as an insult but like you know there was some sort of a plot to that right because they were actually turning into donkeys and that's the word for donkey etc but but like things like i just it really irritates me when kids movies use like idiot and stupid because there's so many other things that could be said there and we just like it's not necessary and now my kids are saying um you know idiot and stupid because they're watching it in this movie and it's like it's not that bad for me to say you can't watch that movie but it's just like come on it's a movie for like we, like let's just not say those kinds of words right so what i yeah i gotta I agree just, with you like i'm i'm not a prude either and i don't think that's a prudish thing because it is well again adult movie kid movie but in general kids movies like it should just provide the best I don't know, but my point is, is my my kid would say that too. That whole story, I don't know if it was on standard definition, but and I forgot what movie or show it was. But they called someone a fool, and then at school he was calling all his friends fools and telling them to walk away. Which inside it's funny, like it's sure. freaking hilarious. <laughs> sure. But like, I don't want my kid like verbally harassing his friends, calling them fools and dumb idiots, and I'm like, huh, all right. Yeah. But, yeah. This uh, definitely shows uh, the times were different. <laughs> we'll just say, for yeah. sure. Um, but to go uh, back to the whole donkey thing, it it did give me the heebie-jeebies when like the the island was relatively deserted, minus Pinocchio and Lampwick, and they show um, the coachman kind of separating the donkeys, like those that were fully transformed versus not. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, the signs on the cages, because maybe as a kid you don't read the signs, one's like for the salt mines yeah. and for oh, yeah. something. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> it's really dark there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it gets dark. It's really, it gets real dark, like real fast, right? And I don't know, like it, it made me really like 
almost appreciate Snow White <laughs> in a way of just how like friendly almost it was, you know, and and I know like at the end of this movie everything kind of turns out for the best or whatever, but like I forgot how dark some of these Disney movies are. Like I know there's always like dark aspects, but just how really dark these old ones get and it's like, "Oh my gosh, I cannot believe that like this is Disney. Like I just yeah. I just forgot, you know? And and it's not like I'm it's not like I'm going back and watching you know, anything before like the eighties, like over time, right? Like I'm just not like there's a couple that I'll rewatch here and there, but mostly everything that I will rewatch like with my kids is from, you know, like the eighties onward, right? Like it it's just that is just the era of Disney that I really grew up on and that I love and you know, I that's that's the Disney I want my daughter to remember or my son, right? And I I don't know if I would ever show her really anything that isn't like a Disney princess movie be- from before. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, like the little mermaid, um, the, like not spoilers, like when Ursula turns all the mermaid people or mermen into those, whatever they are, seaweed things right. in the end, when she's destroyed, they all get free. So not mm-hmm. just Ariel has a happy ending. Everybody has a happy ending. But if you really think about Pinocchio, those kid donkeys, Right. They're they're gone. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're and you just think like, okay, this is one night worth of donkeys. How many has he like been doing? Like how many kids are dead? Oh, yeah. You know, like yeah. because of this. Exactly. So as much as I'm happy that Pin- Pinocchio became a real boy, I was like, there are still like uh, like donkey children working yeah. in salt lines, and now I'm gonna go to bed depressed. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh <laughs> man, it's just. And, uh... There's some scary stuff in some of these yeah. movies. Like, ooh, boy. This is, uh... Yeah, actually, one uh, other thing that was kind of more morbid than scary was near the end where Geppetto was inside the whale. Uh-huh. He was alluding to the fact that, like, they were going to starve and die in the whale. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that, and I, I, I read that in a previous version of the script, they were going to, he and Figaro were going to consider eating Cleo. And, and they they even animated that not eating Cleo, but they animated that discussion. And you can see in the movie that there's like a frame where Cleo's looking kind of hiding, and, and Cleo the fish yeah. is kind of hiding in her fish tank because yeah. that animation made it into the film. But they were talking <laughs> about eating the fish, which yeah. is a little intense. Yeah. Oof. Man, this is like. This movie really made me think about, like, not to get too far into the future, but, like, when we start watching, like, Dumbo or and, like, Fox and the Hound or, oh. like, Sword in the Stone. Like, how dark are these movies going to be, you know? Like, you like even when you go to Disney World or Disneyland or whatever, and, like, you go, you walk into Fantasyland and you remember, like, it's the whimsical part of these movies, right? You see Pinocchio dancing in, like, by the the carousel and he's like you know like whatever but like then you watch this movie you're like oh jesus i don't i don't understand why this movie exists this is so scary right yeah so uh that that was great discussion um but now you know how about overall impressions of the film i know we got the darkness part covered but did we have our favorite moments um or parts that maybe we didn't like as much other than just the dark stuff <laughs> uh, I I I really like 
I really like the beginning where like Pinocchio is kind of like learning about himself, you know, and like Geppetto and him are dancing right when he turns on all the clocks and they're dancing. Right. I think that's a really cool scene. We kind of talked about the clock animation already, but the fact that like they even timed the music to, to each time the clock would a different (laughs) clock would start. And like each clock would be like timed to a different set of, of music. And they all kind of created the song and they were dancing and stuff. It was really, I really enjoyed that. And the animation was really well done too. You know, you think of, you think back to Snow White and you think of the dwarves dancing with Snow White and like how fun and cool that animation was. But this really felt like they took the dancing to like the next level and uh, really, really great. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, I liked again, the, the, the scope and scale of this movie um, the music um, was was. I mean, I didn't love the music from Snow White, um, just because I didn't love the way that Snow White sang and mm-hmm. and. Um, but um, I, I just, in, I think I feel like in every way that this movie is superior to Snow White, and the, and the the I mean the great the thing about Snow White is it was the first one, and I think it will always have that. But I think this is a superior follow up film. Uh, or, um, to Snow White and and just the legacy of Pinocchio. I mean, when you wish upon a star is the theme of when every Disney movie opens. Um, and then even after, I think it was right after Disney bought Marvel. I think one of the first Marvel movies to come out after that merger was uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, and um, uh, Ultron line is you know I, I once had strings but now i'm free and they even play a clip from pinocchio singing that song in the movie um and i think it was a way to signal like hey we're part of disney now but um just the the legacy of the movie um and how how important a movie it is for i mean that the water animation um informed how they did water and the little mermaid and um it just is it's it, this is a a massively important movie um when we talked about the legacy on like common vernacular of saying you know if you lie your nose is gonna grow like um it's just been it, it's in everything and it's just such a important film so I, I think that was my biggest takeaway from the movie wow great call to detail with age of ultron i completely forgot about that i love that nod yeah and like man that's saving age of ultron so good i can't wait till we get to yeah. that movie and and the mcu standard half because it's uh i think that movie is a lot better than i think people give it credit for uh Mm -hmm. i agree yeah um i i gotta say my favorite moments were just anything that had to do with the intricate artistic stuff like the clocks also um well this was a plus and a minus for me um when pinocchio starts searching for his father in the ocean Um, I felt like him searching for his father in the ocean kind of felt longer, at least compared to every other part of the movie, which seemed to move pretty quickly. So I think that's the only reason why I thought it dragged. However, I think it's because Disney wanted to show off the artwork because they paid a lot of detail to all the underwater sea life, the landscape. My mind was blown. So at the same time, I was like, this is gorgeous. And at the other time, I'm like, are they going to get to the whale? Where's this damn whale? (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. One thing I know this isn't about like general impressions of the film, but one one of the things that I love to look at, especially when it comes to Disney movies, is um, 
you know, there was that time when Disney Toons, the studio, was making sequels to every single movie that came out. And John Lasseter came in and and killed that when he became uh, CEO or whatever he was um, in 2006. But um, I mean, honestly, I kind of really love a lot of those sequels. I mean, the two Aladdin sequels I love. uh, Have you watched them recently, though? Have you watched? I mean, it's, have you it's watched recently Re- within the past five years? Return of Jafar. Have you watched it? I love Return of Jafar. Oh my gosh, dude! It, like I, I, it's the animation in that movie because like we oh, watched it was terrible. Yeah, yeah. The animation well, is terrible. Yeah, and yeah, the animation in the sequel stuff is really bad, especially like when we watched. We had like a movie day with my daughter, and she wanted to watch Aladdin, and then we watched Aladdin and Return of Jafar back to back. And wow. all, oh my gosh, dude, like the animation is so bad. Yes. yes. But anyway, my, my, I, I, I kind of love, hate those those sequels, but I thought it was interesting. They were going to make a sequel to Pinocchio where they were going to have Pinocchio try to find someone who he lost or something like that. But huh. John Lester came in and, and shut that down. But they are making a live action mm-hmm. Pinocchio um, with Tom Hanks as Geppetto. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Guillermo del Toro, uh, a trailer for his Pinocchio movie, a stop motion Pinocchio movie, came out today. They need uh, to stop. Today that we're filming this. They need to stop making these movies at the same time, right? Like, what was the other one? Jungle Book, right? Right. right? Mm-hmm. Was like they ended up having to rename the movie to Mowgli for Netflix right. uh, because they were coming out literally almost at the same time. Yeah. Side tangent. How do people yeah. feel about these live action movies? Some of them are okay. Some of them are better than others, definitely. Uh, I think the animation in Lion King and uh, Jungle Book, it's impressive. Jungle Book, I thought, was actually really good until you meet Baloo. And, like, Baloo has such a distinct voice in the animated movies. And, mm. like, as much as you can love Bill Murray. He just does not fit as Baloo. Like, it's just weird. <laughs> it's just weird. Uh, but I thought Beauty and the Beast was terrible. I think Aladdin is great. Yeah, I think there's been only two good live-action Disney movies. And I haven't seen Mulan, but... Um, and I haven't seen Dumbo, actually. But um, the uh, the only two that I like, I think Cinderella is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Cinderella is really good. Um, I think... Cinderella is like the standard that they should try to meet. Um, and I think that Aladdin was really good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Beauty and the Beast was, was bad. Uh, Lion King was lifeless. Yeah. Um, Dude, Lion I mean, King was just, literally just a think... shot for shot remake. Like it was literally just like, Oh, we, we can make these lines look real now. So we're just going to literally remake. Them. Do it. Yeah. Yes. But then like they did things where like, you know, they cast James Earl Jones as Mufasa. I know we're supposed to be talking about Pinocchio, but you, you put, it's the exact same script. And if you listen to it's the exact same lines and his uh-huh. intonation wow. in 1994, when the anime yeah. movie came out is so much life behind it and so much character. And it's the same line that he's like, Simba, you disobeyed me. I'm so angry. And it's like, just, like he's reading terrible like it's yes it's there's it's completely devoid of life and any character or anything and it's they, just they should have just they should have just used the lines from the move the original movie it would have yeah, been better yeah. yeah yes like i get that yeah. you want to have this big marketing thing it was like we got james Earl jones back i'm like 
that's great, but it's 25 years later. He's in his 90s. He probably is like tired of it you know like no offense to the guy like he's so iconic in the war in cinema period right darth vader uh-huh. mufasa yeah. uh he's his voice is so powerful but at the end of the day it's like eh, mm. just if you yeah. want james Earl jones just say hey look look guy we're gonna use the lines from the original movie <laughs> Well, and I think, I mean, again, <laughs> we're not supposed to talk about this movie, but I think a lot of it came down to the choices that the director made. I think he wanted to make it seem as lifelike as possible and not cartoony. Mm-hmm. And so I think his direction was you need to make this a little bit more realistic and have a little bit more gravity to it and not so, you know, don't give so much. And, and it's, you can see it in the character designs, you can see it in the songs, you can see, I mean, in everything, it's just devoid of life and that was a huge problem but i do think that they're they they've been playing around to answer your question stephanie i think they've been playing around with the formula of live action movies and i think that they're gonna hit their stride at some point and then they're going to be really good and i think i haven't seen mulan but i heard a lot of people liked it um, and I think that they kind of took what worked in the animated movie and kind of made it do its own thing. Um, I think Aladdin worked really well because it 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 used a lot of the same spirit of the animated movie, but it didn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a shot for shot recreation, and they kind of modernized it. Well, they mm-hmm. gave Jasmine a voice and gave her something to do besides being just a, a princess who wanted to not be a princess, and so. I think once they start doing that and using the animated film as an inspiration for, but not make it a shot for shot remake with just cool technology, then I think that they'll start to really hit their stride. And Pinocchio could be one that really does that. I mean, there's a lot of Pinocchio is known for its story beats and its characters, but it's not really known for like very specific things. And so I think you can take that template and extrapolate on it and make a really great movie so mm-hmm. yeah you know i gotta say i agree i have an and um i can get into it depending like when we get to each individual movie because yeah i don't want to bore the people that are listening uh but i have my own feelings about live action and i know a lot of it has to do with the bias that i grew up with the animated movies and i probably sound a lot like my parents and everybody's parents the original is always the best well I really do genuinely also feel that. And I saw Mulan. Mulan's one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. Part of it's just, you know, I'm half Chinese. So I like take pride in the original story and what Disney did with it. And I mean, it was okay, but I, I like forced my mom to watch the real life action Mulan. And we both were not happy at the end of the movie, but we'll get there. Um, But I do sincerely feel like Pinocchio just based on the, the structure um, and all that does have potential to be a great live action. And I would see that for sure. And Tom Hanks, who doesn't love Tom Hanks? Yes. I, mean, I think you make a great Geppetto. Oh, yeah. I think Kate Blanchett is the blue fairy. And I mean, it's got a pretty great cast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. By the way, does anyone think um, in the animation, the blue fairy kind of looks like the prerequisite to Cinderella, just yes. like a very similar character mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. Before you said Cinderella, as you were saying that, I was like, Cinderella. Yes, of course. I yeah. agree with that 100%. Well, it goes back to the whole Disney only knows how to animate women one way. Right. <laughs> right. Like that's, right. Yeah. So. All right. Um, 
anything that we didn't like too much? Or you think we covered it? Because after after this, I think we'll get a quickly discuss our definitive ranking, which shouldn't take too long. But just any last comments um, about Pinocchio? I think. I think that this movie goes in some really weird directions, and I know like some Disney movies go in some really weird directions, right? Like you look at uh, the Adventures of Mister Toad and Ichabod Crane, right? Or even oh. Winnie the Pooh with the Heffalumps and Woozles, right? Like you, they, there's some, <laughs> or even Dumbo, right? <laughs> That's there's some acid trips in there as well, but uh, this definitely felt like that. I don't know. There's there's like two two very different versions of Disney. I feel like that spring from this point, right? You have the snow white kind of split and then you have the weird Pinocchio style split where you start seeing like, Oh, well this is weird. And they want to try to get weird. And I think it's because they want to stretch their animation shops and just show how impressive of an animation studio they are. Right. In some cases, and some cases it works, some cases it doesn't. Right. And in this case, like a lot of it works, some of it doesn't, but a lot of it, is impressive to watch, you know, whether you like the movie or not. And so like, I think that a lot of what they were trying to do with this movie and why it was, you know, delayed and took longer and you had up to, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of people working on it at one point is because like they were proud of their animation and they wanted to show people how proud they were of like, you know, going back to the water thing again, like that water super impressive. You know, it's super impressive. And, uh, you know, and to get uh, animals to animate like that as well, too, right? I think we forget, like, you know, we saw the the critter animals from Snow White, and, like, that was impressive, but they weren't they weren't part of the movie, right? They were just kind of, like, hanging out or whatever. And this is where you, they actually, you could actually see them kind of experimenting with the different ways that animals uh, animate, which we'll see in... Fantasia and Dumbo coming up too mm-hmm. for sure like definitely big uh animal yeah. animations. Yeah, and speaking of like real quick another movie from Disney that took like the weird path. I mean, think of Disney's take on Alice in Wonderland. Speaking mm-hmm. of right. trippy. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So now we reach definitive ranking. We are ranking each and every classic Disney animated film. Of course, since we are only on the second one, um, but next to Snow White, it's not really that great of a list yet. But I'll start with uh, you, Mark. Even though you you did allude to it earlier, where you feel like Pinocchio would rank against Snow White so far? Okay, so I have a question about this definitive ranking. Mm-hmm. Is this my favorite Disney film, or is this the ranking of the best Disney film? Do you, do you see the difference yeah. between the two? Yeah, no, yeah. I think I think you need to go with your favorite. I think that this ranking is going to be like a we're going to rank okay. the favorites okay. because like okay, then- it's no doubt that Pinocchio is way more impressive in terms of animation, right? I I don't think that there's a question, right? Uh, right. Because Mark, you brought it up several times, like how many how many sets and scenes there are with different, uh, you know, moving backgrounds and everything. Like when you see Pleasure Island for the first time, that's super impressive. Uh, yeah, inside the whale, super impressive. But like, yeah, I, you know, oh, I was gonna say, I just I think that like as impressive as all that animation is, like, I think if I think we need to rank our favorites because I think that's gonna be the most genuine ranking. Uh, 
And I think yeah. I think that's where we kind of want to go with it. And I mean, unless you guys have a different opinion, but that was just well, I I kind of agree because I alluded to like video games and uh, on the Champions podcast, which is a Zelda podcast. They they rank the games annually, and you know if you if you looked at just as terms of best Zelda games, obviously the first Zelda game can't ever be at the top just because of its limitations at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. But right. it could be a little bit higher in other people's list, either based on nostalgia or just the fact that it's the originator or whatever. So I was thinking, and yeah, like Mark, please feel free to provide feedback. I was thinking we each give our personal, and then just majority would get like the the official vote for our definitive ranking. Yeah, I think that's great. I think uh, the uh, the reason why I asked that is if I was saying like in terms of my favorite out of the two, Snow White and Pinocchio, Pinocchio definitely would would be at the top of that list for me. If I was saying in terms of like just um, impact on film and and um, you know just like what's the better movie, I would say Snow White. Um, but it, but in terms of my own personal preference, f- far and above Pinocchio. Hmm. Corey, how about you? Interesting. I I'm gonna say I think Snow White's better. I I just prefer Snow White over Pinocchio. I when when I don't know when things start making me feel kind of like uncomfortable or like I don't know. Maybe I'm just like not into like the, I I don't know when things start getting uncomfortable or you see kids in weird situations like that that always makes me uncomfortable it just it just does you know and and if to go back to video games it's why i never finished the last of us it's why i never like want to watch kids get murdered or or whatever like it just it makes me really uncomfortable uh and i i think for that reason i just don't want it's not that i don't like pinocchio it's just like it's not gonna ever make my favorites ever because of just how uncomfortable the movie is, really. So I think I'm going to have to pick Snow White in this ranking. Right. I thought about this for a long time, because at first I thought Snow White was definitely going to be an easy answer for me. But believe it or not, and I, you know what, I, I, I don't want to sound like a cop-out, because, Mark, I, I agree that if I were to look at this more in an objective way, I think Snow White would take it. But I don't know, as an adult and watching all these watching Pinocchio take on some pretty serious themes, albeit the way they presented it is a bit dated for sure, a hundred percent. But I do enjoy a movie that just explores more, more things that make me think Uh, again, I'm not putting down Snow White at all, but that's just a movie about, you know, staying positive and about a woman who's just incredibly vain, (laughs) you know, Uh, um, you know, beautiful and outside ugly on the inside is defeated by, you know, beauty both out and inside, whatever. But I don't know, just I felt like Pinocchio tackles complex um, themes like what, you know, what it takes to, to be a parent and the loss of innocence and, you know, maturing and growing with your conscience. Um, and not just that, but just, again, the art and the music, the theme when you wish upon a star. I just feel like it shocked me when I rewatched it, but I'm glad I rewatched it because if I went on this podcast without rewatching Pinocchio, I would have probably put it like dead last or something, but right. I'd say for me, nothing personal snow white. I am favoring Pinocchio at this time. Cool. Well, it looks like we, looks like we have it. looks like uh Pinocchio is officially ahead of snow white in our official rankings. Yeah. 
And I mean, they're all great movies, right? I would say yeah. like the the worst Disney movie is still better than some great mediocre yes. other kinds of movies out there. I don't know. Yes, agreed. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how, like, as we move forward, with this how the newer movies kind of stack up against the older movies. I, it's something that I've been thinking about a lot, actually. Uh, because my daughter, like, she really loves Moana and she loves Mulan and mm-hmm. she loves uh, Frozen and Entangled and, and stuff. And it's like, those movies are really, like, great in their own ways. But, like, I, I wonder, like, how some of these, you know, the later animated movies are going to stack up to these older ones. I think it's smart that we're we're stopping at Princess and the Frog because I think recency bias might affect things. Yeah. Um, which and so I think that that's smart because then that won't really play into it. Which yeah, because Princess and the Frog is like I love that movie. I think it's awesome. It is probably going to be at the the very top of my list. <laughs> you know, I I think when we do get to Princess and the Frog, we should end it with a round table of discussing like the classic animated Disney movies versus, you know, the new age stuff because I'm going to tell you now, I just personally have a bias against all the new age movies. I I still love them. I'm just saying like if I had to pick a preference, my heart will always be with the classic animated movies and for whatever reason, I'm not sure if I can actually justify it with logic, but like when I had my son and, you know, I'm raising him, I actually am determined to try and expose him to more of the classically animated Disney films before yeah. he sees, mm-hmm. not that I'm, I'm not going to make him watch Moana, which he's already seen at school or something. It's not like I'm, I don't want him to watch Frozen. I'm just saying like, I want to expose him to the classic animation before the more, I don't know. Same thing with video games. I like showed him Ocarina of Time before Breath of the Wild. I just, mm-hmm. right. is there something wrong with my head there? No, I, no, I think, it's to to kids the the newer flashier stuff is going to hold their interest more right and it's what everyone's talking about more because it's it's that recency bias it's right now but i think so you kind of have to because you have to start with the classic stuff because it it it, i feel like it's going to give them an appreciation for where it came from and where it is now and if you start with zelda breath of the wild and then you go back to a link to the past or ocarina of time it's like well this simple game is it gonna you know whatever but and so i try to do the same thing and well there's a lot that i said i was going to do when i became a parent that i don't do but yeah you know, I was like, they're, they're going to watch, they're not going to watch any, uh, you know, CG animated movies. They're not going to watch Frozen. They're not going to, they're only going to watch like, you know, Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and all of those movies. And now, of course, we've watched Encanto five times this week already. So, <laughs> uh, so, but, but I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And I think that, that it's, it's, I think that that's important to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like, to that point, like, you say you want to show your kids like the older ones versus the newer ones. And we, we do like a mix of everything. And you know what my daughter's favorite movie is and her favorite Disney character is, is Aurora from Sleeping Beauty. She loves Sleeping Beauty. Wow. Loves it. And like, she has, she has like this little, like uh, Aurora doll and she calls it baby, baby Aurora. Cause it's like, it's Aww. one of those Disney animator dolls and she just like carries it around everywhere. We've gotten her like the frozen ones and we've gotten her like 
all these characters and stuff that she loves, loves, loves. Nope. This first one, Aurora carries it around everywhere. Doesn't go to school without it. Doesn't go to the store without it. It's just like, it's that one toy that she will take everywhere. And she loves the movie. Like she loves. I gotta say that is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And like as much as she loves Frozen and Tangled, which I think are up there for her as well, and even Moana to an extent, she just she loves Sleeping Beauty to the point where we're like we had to say like that movie's not on right now. We have to watch something else, <laughs> you know. Nice. Which I'm nice. sure we've all got... done. Oh yes. yeah, heck yeah. Um, I was actually shocked. Sorry, real quick, uh, as we're you know coming to a conclusion here. You know, I'm watching these Disney movies with my son in tow. I mean, he's already seen most, but you know, starting from the beginning, I was shocked how much he loved Snow White. I thought that would not hold his attention after all he's seen. You know, Cars and Wally, whatever, Finding Nemo. He loves Snow White every because we have movie nights every Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's always Snow White, Snow White, Snow White, Snow White. And I'm like, you like this? I'm joking. Girly film about some girl who wants to like marry this prince that she met for five minutes. And even after Pinocchio, I was like, eh, it was okay. And I showed him Dumbo, which he did not care for that either. And he's just like, Snow White. I love Snow White. <laughs> kids like what they like you know exactly but i mean that goes to tell you disney knew what he was doing like he knows yeah. what kids and, and what kids like is you know the the appearance may change but the heart of it doesn't change and he knew what he was doing then and kids like that still now yeah yeah and that's why we're here guys so that's why we're that's why we're doing disney for you people and a little bit for us. But anyway, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and listening to our second installment of the Disney edition of Standard Definition. Um, as we close out, um, Mark, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Boss Rush. Um, I do a lot of the entertainment side of stuff, uh, movie reviews and TV show reviews. and um, So you can find me there. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter. My uh, handle is except in Pereira. Awesome. And Corey, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me at I am Corey in HD on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me uh, hosting the Boss Rush podcast and Arsenal X, the Xbox podcast here. And uh, I also host the MCU uh, part of Standard Definition. So you should check that out. Uh, by the way, just a quick housekeeping note on standard definition. As these episodes start coming out, all of the Disney ones will be in their own playlist. All of the Marvel ones will be in their own playlist on YouTube uh, and so on and so forth. So uh, if you just want to w- binge watch the Disney ones in like five years when we're done with this, like they'll be <laughs> there for you, ready to go. Uh, it's something I consciously tried to make an effort doing as these start coming out because you know some people don't care about indiana jones or marvel and they just want to watch the disney ones you know or vice versa yeah yeah no they will all care about disney (laughs) (laughs) well thank you thank you for that um yeah you can find me at klimov k-l-i-m-o-v underscore author on twitter and instagram i am a copy editor slash writer for the website bossrush.net which again that is the place to be where you can find uh pod clips uh podcasts um 
the shop to our merch store, which I highly recommend you checking out uh, designs as they as they come in. And again, don't forget to uh, check out uh, patreon.com slash network and subscribe to our feeds. Thank you very much, everybody, and see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Woohoo!